Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Arrow, chapter and verse. Now we are talking about Arrow, actually. Season 4, episode 23, Schism. So, look, Star City and the entire world have been under the threat of nuclear war for three episodes now. And the problem with that is that that means that every episode, every further episode after the first threat of nuclear war undoes what the previous episode just did. So it's like, okay, we stopped the nukes from firing, but not really. We gotta go stop them again. Okay, yeah, we stopped the nukes from firing, but Dark got the Rubicon, so now he can do the thing and reverse engineer the thing and hack the thing and do the thing and it's all the thing over again. Um, and that happens. It's, it's, it's also Dark just coming in and, and doing a lot of posturing and, you know, threatening to kill people and whatnot. Um, his, his motivation's a little lacking for me, uh, because Thea does come in with his daughter, and it's like his daughter is still alive, but he's still like, you know what, no, my wife's dead, I'm gonna go ahead and destroy the whole world with my daughter in it anyway, and, and me too, and I don't really care, because I've gone from being a nihilist with a vision to just a nihilist for the sake of nihilism. Whee, doggies! So everybody gathers in the Arrow Cave, and we find out that uh, the whole world, the world as a whole, has two hours before the nukes hit, but Star City, oh, special Star City, only has 45 minutos. So everybody's trying to figure out what to do. They're trying to figure out where Dark's hacker is. They're trying to figure out where Dark is. Uh, it turns out that Lila sends a detachment of Argus agents to the um, City Hall, because that's where Dark is in the in the Nexus, with uh, under the theory that well his hacker might be there too. And Oliver's like, "There's no way his hacker's there. You're sending those men in to be killed." And Lila's like, "But I am not sending them in to be killed." And it turns out that she is in fact sending them in just to be killed. Um, this is for a final episode, especially after the last two final episodes I've watched. This one is honestly a little disappointing. Uh, they wrestled with their major themes in a way that wasn't satisfying, it was at times internally contradictory. And I, I realize that this is called schism, and I realize that the whole point is that Oliver is at war with himself, and things aren't supposed to be black and white, uh, but they hadn't done a good job of... They hadn't... <laughs> the show has not done a good job of setting up nuance, so to suddenly throw it in here in season four, especially at the end of season four, uh, doesn't, um, it, it really doesn't sort of ring true. But of course I am, I am getting ahead of myself. Uh, so what happens in the episode? Well, what happens in the episode is this. Uh, there's a lot of kerfuffle about what to do about the, uh, the nuclear bombs. Everybody's trying to figure out what to do about that. The city is rioting and looting. Oliver figures that uh, he doesn't, there's nothing he can do until Curtis comes over and says, you know, we were going to leave Star City because it takes a special kind of stupid to stay here after three terrorist attacks. And then the Green Arrow came on the screen and he said some inspiring words. And if that can, if that man can inspire me then, why can't you inspire them now? And well, the reason, Curtis, is because there is a nuclear missile aimed at the city. But Oliver goes out anyway. And in the midst of a rioting crowd, he stands on what I believe was a taxi cab. And he says, hello, everyone. You know what? Uh, 
I know what we're all going through. It's unimaginable to try to face what's just what's about to happen. But remember when we had other problems that weren't quite as immediate or severe as this one, and somehow we kind of pulled through, even though one of the themes is that the city has been slowly dying since before the first season, and each subsequent round of something terrible happening has just made things worse? Anyway, uh, but we've managed to pull through, and everybody goes... Yes, Oliver Queen, you are right. We will listen to you, and we will have hope that the nuclear missile can be something. And just as Ollie's finishing his speech, the nuclear missile hoves into view. There it is, heading towards Star City. And Felicity and Curtis realize that while they can't hack into it, they can do something where they've got a line of sight hack into the thing that I... Uh, I are. Oh boy, I'm I'm running out of intellectual juice for this one. Much like the writers, <laughs> zing. Yeah. So he points a camera at it. She's got a laptop, and together they convince the missile that it is already detonated and that it should go away. And just as quickly as it hoved into view, it speeds out of view, never to be seen again. I'm going to assume that it crash-landed somewhere when the fuel ran out, warhead undetonated, but we don't know. Like, it's it's just like, hey, we got rid of that nuclear missile, isn't that great? Great. Everybody, round of applause, uh, sh pats on the back um, for everyone. So then, they're like, okay, but we still have these 15,000 other nuclear warheads. Like, Dark has literally launched, launched the entire nuclear arsenal of the world at one time, and that's enough to, well, it's enough to life out, or sorry, wipe out all life on Earth, and there might be life later, but not as we know it, not as we know it, not as we know it, it's life, but not as we know it, not as we know it, Captain. Okay, so that was a reference to Star Trekkin', because uh, I grew up on Dr. Demento, and um, I'm a little loopy, uh, I have been up for 13 plus hours now i've watched uh i don't know how many hours of uh cw shows in the last couple of weeks uh, but i do know that this is i think my 12th recording so um where were we right hey let's talk about the flashback sequence um ollie's friend on the island uh tiana i think not diana or something but uh, is under the power of the idol, and then Ryder shows up, and he's like, but I, too, have the power of the idol, and these runes protect me from its uh, psychic influence, so I can use its power without being overcome by it. And Ollie's like, but yeah, see that plane? It's taken off, and you can't do anything about it. And Ryder goes, mm, I'm gonna destroy it with my mind, and he does. Um, and then he and Tiana fight, and he, try to do, he tries to do the life-draining mojo, but because she's got maybe a closer connection to the idol, because she doesn't have the protective runes, it works in reverse, and she ends up draining life out of him, and Ollie throws a knife into his kidney, and he dies, because I'm not entirely clear on the rules of physical resistance to damage, thanks to the idol, or what have you, but he dies. And... She's like, hey, um, I can feel it trying to take over. There's only one way to deal with this. You have to kill me. And again, it's that whole physical resistance thing. I don't know how exactly, uh, 
how exactly she is, you know, able to let this happen. But Oliver snaps her neck and she's dead, just as the other ex-prisoners come up and accuse him of killing her. And he says, yes, but she begged me to do it. He points at the idol and he says, that thing is darkness and the darkness was infecting her. And everybody else goes, yeah, whatever, we're, we're fine, but we can't get off the island. And Oliver goes, wait, but I have communications equipment. And he sets it up and Amanda Waller comes over and says, well, I told you sometimes you have to kill people. Hey, you want to come kill people for the government? And he says, no, I got a promise I got to keep. And I suppose that is going to be year five flashbacks, which we'll see, of course, on the next season of Arrow, season five. But meanwhile, back to the main action. Ollie decides that he's going to go confront Dark, even though Dark is juiced up and on his mojo, and Oliver has shown that he can, only once, only once, that he can resist Dark's mojo. So he goes into Town Hall, and Dark kicks him out, and basically telekinetically throws him around the street. Now, speaking of physical damage resistance, there's one thing I have to say. Uh, Oliver in particular, but other people on the show, Oliver has been shot, stabbed, shot with an arrow, uh, thrown on so many hard things, uh, beat up, bruised, and battered, and continues to operate at peak efficiency unless the plot directs otherwise. So I'm going to say, I'm going to posit this, that in order to explain this in-universe, all vigilantes, unpowered vigilantes, must have a hitherto overlooked healing factor. Not a quick one, not like a Wolverine healing factor, because let's face it, he's the best there is at what he does and what he does ain't pretty. But a healing factor that allows them to completely recover from all physical damage and not hurt their ability to go out and fight crime by kicking ass. It has to be, because no normal human would be able to do what they do and still walk around after a while. Like, if we all remember um, uh, Dark Knight Rises, like, Tom Lennon as the doctor gave a list of things that uh, Bruce Wayne was physically suffering from. And remember, he had to use a cane until he put on the special bat exoskeleton that made him, like, somewhat stronger than human and able to, like, punch brick or whatever it was. For another example, this one's a little bit closer to home... Uh, my uncle was on, uh, one of my uncles was on the SWAT team when he was younger and uh, has banged up his body tremendously, and it is showing as he gets older. And again, um, you know, it's kind of thing, remember, uh, remember on um, Legends when Jack said that he tore his ACL and that basically killed his football career? Um, he should have been a vigilante because a torn ACL would have resulted in him being maybe out for a season and then he could have returned as though nothing had ever happened. Um, and that seems to be what happened, but I, but I digress. So, um, Ollie and Dark are fighting and Ollie, of course, is getting the worst of it and Dark is being smug and then... People, uh, people from the city, including some uh, ex-Hive members, at least one ex-Hive member, tell Dark that he can fuck off. And Dark laughs and he's like, you tell me to fuck off, I will telekinetically give you all a shove. Ha <laughs> you must sit down now. And sit down they do. And then Ollie gets back up and he says, no, no, you're going to fight me. And Dark says what we've all been thinking, which is, how exactly is it that you're going to defeat me? And Ollie says, well, I didn't come alone, and the crowd of people starts moving in on Dark. And again, I, I don't know how much help they're going to be, given Dark's current 
juiced up poweriness. Um, but he's like, well, I also brought friends and a bunch of hive agents minus their machine guns run out of various places. And my question, of course, is where were you and why didn't you interfere and why don't you have your machine guns? Because if you all had your machine guns, that crowd wouldn't be much of a threat now, would it? But they don't, and there's this big yell and charge, and they all charge into each other, and they're beating up on each other, and um, uh, Dark reminds Oliver that he used to be a member of the League of Assassins, which is something that I had frankly forgotten, too, because I don't care. And Ollie's still kind of getting beat up in the fight, and then, you know, Spartan and Lila show up, and they start helping to defeat the ghosts, and and Ollie says, no, I'm going to continue to go after Dark, even though there's no indication whatsoever that he'd be able to take Dark even in a fist fight. And then they start playing a game of one punch, which is essentially Dark swings at Ollie's chin, and Ollie takes it, and then Ollie swings at Dark's chin, and Dark takes it, and then they do that for a while, and Ollie kind of staggers to his knees, and he gets up, and he gives Dark one across the chops, and Dark goes down, and he pulls an arrow out, and Dark's like, you can't do it. You didn't even kill the man who killed your own mother. And Oliver says, I had a choice with Slade Wilson, and with you I don't. And with that, he plunges a dagger into Dark, much like Dark plunged a dagger into uh, Laurel. Um, quick word about that. Now, I'm not a doctor guy, uh, is one of the guys I'm, I'm not. But Dark stuck some of that arrow into Laurel, like not all the way through and not in a place where it looked like it was going to intersect with anything that could be fixed. I mean, maybe it hit her liver, but you don't need your entire liver to live. It was just a little bit like, you, you know, like if you're going to kill somebody, go ahead and like do something that actually kills them, but the the same thing happens to Damien Dark that happens to Laura Lance only somewhat quicker, and he falls down and he dies. And uh, his daughter is somewhere. She was in the she was in the the mayor cave. Uh, she is no longer in the mayor cave, I guess. She's she's hiding out somewhere, and both of her evil evil parents are dead. But again, because the Legends of Tomorrow are dealing with time travel, Damien Dark comes back over there, and I think his daughter has a part to play and, and whatnot. But we'll find out of that in subsequent seasons of Legends of Tomorrow. Um, oh, and at the last minute, Felicity and Curtis realize that what they can do is rather than trying to disarm the warheads, which they can't, they are going to send those warheads into space. Let me backtrack a little bit. They found the hacker, Felicity's ex-boyfriend. Dark had shot him and was telekinetically moving the bullet closer to his spine and told him that he would die horribly if he didn't annihilate the world in a nuclear holocaust. Now, I'm not a brave person. Uh, I'm not a particularly strong person. I don't know that I could withstand severe pain. But I think at that point I'd be like, well, let's see. Uh, uh, you've given me a choice where I can either die or die. And I realize that one is dying painfully, but if I choose that option, then a bunch of other things and people that I like uh, and enjoy get to continue to exist. So maybe I'll go with that. And Felicity convinced her ex that that was the way to go. And Dark, with his super idle senses, realized that he was no longer controlling the warheads and killed him. Well, and then, as I said, 
Uh, Felicity and Curtis fix the problem by shooting the nukes, boom, into outer space where they explode, doing no harm to anyone except possibly radio waves. And hopefully all of that radiation is up out of the atmosphere so it won't be contained, but who knows? Nobody told me. They didn't wrap that up. So then we see everybody gathered in the arrow cave, which has been trashed by the bad guys because, you know, as we all know, Anyone can walk into the good guy's headquarters at any time, no matter who they are. Um, it was trashed by the bad guys. Quentin Lance is like, eh, I got to take some time off in his, you know, hard-bitten, stubbly way. Uh, and because he doesn't care about being a cop anymore, because his daughter is dead. So he's going to go off with uh, Felici Felicity's mom and, um, I don't know, the the... The, the Smoke Lance family will have at least two people who are out of it for right now. And then Thea's like, I threatened to kill a little girl, and I need to go figure out why that happened. So I'm out too. And then John Diggle was like, uh, I'm not doing that well. I, I gotta leave. Um, so Team Arrow basically disbands, and then we get a montage uh, of just a bunch of um, stuff that people are doing, and we see that Diggle is going back into the army, which is absolutely where you need to go to heal from trauma that was caused by you killing your brother, who you were in the army with at one point. Anyway, that's what he does. Um, Thea is just sort of sitting in her apartment with a bunch of candles that are lit in the fireplace for some reason. Um, Quentin and Donna drive off, uh, and Oliver goes to Laurel's grave and says, I'm sorry, I know you wouldn't approve, but I, I did what I think I had to do. And then there's this talk about, you know, well, the man who killed Damien Dark in cold blood, which I'm going to say, uh, not necessarily the case. They had been punching each other, a bunch, uh, and trying to kill each other, and I don't think it's in cold blood if you pause for a few seconds and do it, but, you know, you know I'm, I'm not here to quibble. I'm very much here to quibble. Um, it's the same man who inspired those people who were rioting and looting, and now you have a schism, you're at war with yourself, and Oliver's like, it's not completely black and white, and she's like, well, that's the thing. And so Oliver now has to decide who he's going to be, which is the problem with this. It's like, it, it's it's never... Well, they may say that there's a schism and it's not black and white. The choice that's continually offered is, who are you going to be? The murder guy or not the murder guy? It's not like, you need to accept that you are both the murder guy and the not the murder guy, and also the inspiring guy. They are all you. That is... A, you are a gestalt of that and deal with it, it's always a choice between being the murder guy and not the murder guy. At least that's how it's been presented in earlier episodes of the show. All right. So um, while Oliver is figuring that, he goes back down to the Arrow Cave and nobody's there except Felicity. And she says that she's not going to quit Team Arrow, even though, of course, she ended their relationship because of the son that he was keeping secret from her for a couple of months. 
don't get me wrong. I know it's a huge thing. I know it's a big thing. But his son's mother put him in an impossible situation, which a sane person wouldn't have done, except that they needed it for the plot, right? They needed Oliver and Felicity to break up because, again, superheroes can't have healthy, fulfilling relationships. That's what these shows are teaching us. Kids, you have a choice. It's either be the murder guy or have a healthy, fulfilling relationship. Um, also... Uh, the last thing that happens uh, on this show is that good old Oliver Queen is contacted by a member of the city council who says that uh, the speech was very inspiring and apparently Ollie's Q numbers are way, way high uh, because he got a 48% in, uh, 48% write-in vote against uh, Ruth A., uh, Ruve, excuse me, uh, Dark, so they're like, we're going to make you uh, interim mayor. We're going to appoint you to be interim mayor. And Oliver accepts. And the guy, as he's walking into the mayoral office, uh, the city council guy says, hey, you sure you want this? You look a little conflicted. Whereas I would have said, hey, you sure you want this? The last four mayors have been killed in office. But Oliver goes and swears himself in. And when season five starts, he is going to be both the Green Arrow and the mayor of Star City, as um, uh, I believe happened in the comics a while back. So uh, this has actually been one of the longer episodes. I'm surprised the the others have been rather short, but there was a lot to cover in this, the last episode of Season 4 of Arrow, and I assuredly will see you again for Season 5 as we end this episode of Arrow, Chapter and Verse. Hope you're having a good day.